Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com, and this is another one of our encore presentations for the month of June. If you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know we are on holiday for the month of June. We are moving homes to be closer to our daughter's new school, settling into our new home, and then heading up to our rural cabin in Canada, um, which if you're wondering, I am fourth generation of this cabin. It's a little rickety cabin by a lake, nothing fancy, but it is my happiest place on earth that my great grandfather built and I have have been visiting since I was a child and I now get to introduce my own daughter to this beautiful spot by the lake and we go there every year to unplug and unwind and rest and relax and do lots of reading and research. So that's where we are for June and so I wanted to bring you encore presentations of episodes from the podcast that have presented game-changing ideas around sexuality, the ideas and frameworks that can help revolutionize the way you think about and experience your own sexuality. So this week, I am bringing you back an episode about initiation and refusal, that moment that we all experience of asking for sex and then receiving an answer. So how in a relationship do we ask for sex well? How do we initiate sex in a graceful way? And how do we prepare ourselves for the inevitable yes, no, maybe conversations that happen every time we initiate sex? How do we create a better circuit in the relationship around initiation, acceptance, and refusal? And how do we differentiate between refusal and rejection? And this is a framework I've been working on for a few years because I know that rejection is one of the most painful sexual experiences, and we need to do better in communicating not only our sexual desires in initiating sex, but also when we are sexually unavailable, how do we refuse sex rather than reject our partners? I've heard from so many people that this episode has totally changed their relationship. And some people have said it's even saved their marriage. So I thought it was well worth bringing back and bringing you this episode again so you can hear it for the first time or listen to it again and think about how you can implement some of these strategies into your own sex life. So here is an encore presentation about initiation and refusal. Cheers. Hi, welcome to Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics, and on this podcast, we offer expert advice so you can have an amazing sex life. Come on over to PleasureMechanics.com. And you'll find our complete podcast archive, 220-something episodes and counting, as well as a wealth of other resources, including our free mini-courses. Go to PleasureMechanics.com free, and you'll find an ever-expanding library of mini-courses that you can sign up for for free and get the best of our advice delivered straight to your inbox. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about a core issue that affects almost all of our relationships, whether or not it is named, and it's something that can be very emotional and cause a lot of ripple effects one way or the other, either 
good ripple effects or negative ripple effects in your sex life. And that is how you deal with initiation and refusal. So the process of asking for sex, initiating sex, and how you deal with it if you're not in the mood and your partner is. So we're going to be unpacking this and looking at best practices for initiating and refusing sex. Or accepting sex, I guess. I feel really excited about talking about this because I feel like it is so important. Yeah. And it's one of these subjects that we don't give a lot of attention to often, but it causes a lot of pain for a lot of people. It's often one of those core issues that when I get emails from people and I start drilling down into what is actually going on in people's relationships, I'll ask a question like, well, who's initiating sex in your relationship? And they don't have an answer. Or what happens when you ask for sex? Oh, they make me feel super bad about it. Or when you start asking people about these themes in their relationship, people have something to say about it. But we don't often go to it as the source for what's going on. And yeah, it can make a huge difference in the lifetime of a relationship for sure. So why do you think this is such a charged subject? This question of initiating sex and what it feels like to be rejected. I think it's so primal. The experience of being rejected is so hurtful. And it's this place where there's so much vulnerability to ask if somebody wants to (laughs) have sex with you. I mean, it's like such a such a such a vulnerable scary thing to us it's like it's about being accepted it's about being loved if someone says yes and if not then i all these issues of like not being valuable or worthy or desirable come up whether or not those are true that's often where our brain and heart goes okay so i really want to dig into that especially the piece of rejection being hurtful Um, This is where I want video podcasts, because as you were saying that, you were holding your hands to your chest and kind of hugging yourself. And it is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to even talk about. Um, But before we dig in, I want to just acknowledge that initiating sex is a required skill for a sex life. Mm. We have this myth, again, it comes from the Hollywood depiction of sex, where If you're really into each other, both people are just going to spontaneously be in the mood and you'll lock eyes and the lights will dim and Barry Manilow will come on the radio or something and you'll just be like, yeah, now's the time, baby. But we all know life doesn't work that way. So within every relationship, you need a certain culture, a certain practice, a habit of initiating sex. And when we say initiating sex, I'm talking about all sex, Mm. whether that's prolonged kissing, rolling around naked, 69ing for hours, like (laughs) however it is you do what you do, you need a habit of inviting one another into that zone. Because it's not part of our daily schedule activities. Like you don't need a habit of like, inviting yourself to brush your teeth you just do it because it's part of your habit you eat your meals you go to work you do your laundry like there are these things that are just part of kind of the cycle of our days and we do them because when we don't do them life starts to fall apart Mm. getting into the erotic zone for most people is something outside of that daily routine and to get two people there at once you have to start thinking about how do you cultivate that invitation? How do you bring your partner in, get them out of their daily routine? Because if we're having sex, we're not doing five million other things. 
right? We're not on Facebook, hopefully. We're not doing dishes at the same time. <laughs> All of a sudden, I have this, like, sex plush dishes. Um, so you have to set aside one of the other things you would be doing and choose to spend time having sex, making love, making out, whatever. And this process of that invitation and then how you manage that invitation is everything. Well, it's because it also accumulates over a relationship the way which is kind of your point that the way that you do this again and again leads you down a trajectory in a long-term way of feeling close and connected even if you don't have sex or feeling hurt and rejected and I love this piece in relationships where if you just shift things a little bit you don't have to make massive changes but a little bit it can take you on a slightly different route where there is more connection and love and so a small change can actually make a really big difference in a long-term way exactly and when I get emails from people who are in sexless marriages often the root cause of it is initiation and rejection. One of the partners has initiated over and over again and been rejected over and over again, so they stop trying. Yeah. And then the other partner feels undesirable and they feel not paid attention to, and so they stop trying. And when you both stop trying, your sex life withers. So let's talk about this first piece. Why is initiating scary? Asking for what you want is scary, whether that's just ordering food at a restaurant sometimes or asking for a promotion at work. Like, the bigger the desire, the scarier it is to ask for it. And when it comes to sex, initiating sex is vulnerable. It's kind of putting yourself out there, even with a trusted long-term partner, and saying, I want, I crave, I need. And that is a hard thing to do. But it's really, at the core of it, scary because all of us fear rejection. And our language reflects that around the world, different languages have terms like, you hurt my feelings, I feel heartbroken. We have this language that reflects the physical pain of emotional rejection. That stung. That stung. It hurt. Ouch. Ouch, it bites. (laughs) All of these things. And it turns out modern science is telling us what we already knew when they put people in functional MRI scanners, which is when they can look at the brain and have people engage in activity at the same time, they find that when people even think about being rejected romantically or sexually, it lights up the same parts of the brain as physical pain. And it's remembered as physical pain. And this is a big deal, it turns out. And as creatures, we are um, evolved to avoid sources of pain. And so when you get rejected, especially by someone you trust and love again and again, you start avoiding the cause of that rejection by not putting yourself out there, not initiating sex. I just want to highlight that because I feel like it's so significant. So what we are saying here is that when you experience rejection or refusal around your sexuality or love, that the body registers it as physical pain. Yes. So that is so significant. Yeah. That so just like be gentle with yourself. <laughs> if you have those moments, know that it is painful. And that is a real thing. Just a I just wanted to highlight in bold. Well and another interesting thing is it's sometimes hard to remember physical pain. Like if mm. you have ever broken a bone, like try to remember what it felt like at the moment your bone broke. It's kind of hard to remember. The body kind of emits that memory. Childbirth. Yeah. How was that for mm. you? But it's easy to remember moments of emotional pain 
and social pain. Hmm. Like we all remember moments we were humiliated. We kind of confessed her with them for years. And so these things accumulate and we remember the emotional experience of being rejected. So knowing this and knowing that this is true for all of us, how do we treat this process with more tenderness and respect? How do we dare to initiate and fearlessly initiate sex? And how do we receive those invitations? How do we receive your partner initiating sex, especially in moments when you're not up for it? Mm -hmm. Because if you are up for it, great. Someone's initiated, you're into it, you got the ball rolling. See all of our other podcasts for advice. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to focus mostly on how to receive initiation, how to receive that invitation when you're not up for it. Mm. So that's what we're going to focus on. Not because we're like naysayers, but because, you know, if it works, great. You're into it. Go. You might encounter like a million other problems and then (laughs) once you're there. But (laughs) if that initiation process has gone well, great. So we're going to deal with when it is not reciprocal and how to gently refuse. So when I was thinking about this, I really thought about what would the ideal culture of a relationship look like? How would this work for a vibrant, healthy, excited, sexually functioning couple? And of course it can look a million different ways, but the ideal I came up with is that both people are openly expressing their desires, talking about it in a free way, they're not ashamed of their desires, they're not ashamed of their sexuality, and that they can ask for what they want without being needy, while being aware of their partner's feelings, and without an agenda. So I was thinking about kind of what is the best place to initiate sex from, and those are the components I came up from. That you're not ashamed, you're not needy, you're aware of your partner's feelings, and you don't have a specific agenda. So let's break that down a little bit. Yeah, what does that mean to people, for people? So the lack of shame, I think that's just, you know, this basic fundamental thing. If you're ashamed of sex, if you're ashamed of pleasure, if you're ashamed of what you want, that is like a huge clog in the initiation pipeline. Mm. Um, Because then you're coming at sex from this place of... It's bad and wrong. And so that's just a place to start working with, working with your own shame and getting rid of that so that you can ask for what you want. Well, that is step one. like asking your partner to do something bad, bad naughty, you, right? Right, like... But not in a fun way. Right. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, if you're kind of indulging a sin, mm. that's not like a very, like, excited, healthy, vibrant place to invite someone in, right? And I think, again, we go to food... If you're really excited about eating a piece of chocolate cake and offer to share it with someone, you're sharing a pleasure. You're saying, like, this is delicious, it's well-made, finest quality ingredients, have some. Whereas if you're, like, just kind of compulsively stuffing your face with, you know, a box of stale donuts, and you're like, oh, I feel terrible about this here, you, like, (laughs) join me so I feel less bad about it, like... It's a lot less delicious. <laughs> or I like to think of it like you're inviting somebody to a party. You're like, you... <laughs> this is a party you want to go to. Yes. In your bed, in your pants. Come party with me. You just went to party in my pants. <laughs> and you're invited. <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> so this piece about not being needy. I think this is a huge piece to highlight because so many of us <laughs> operate from a place of sexual... You're still at party in my pants. <laughs> Oh, sorry. (laughs) 
So many people <laughs> operate from a place of sexual deficit that they do get to a place of neediness. It's a hunger, it's a starvation, and when they get up the guts to initiate, it's because they're like, so... <laughs> she's still laughing. Okay. I don't know why. Now I'm just like gone. I don't just... <sighs> what do you think about sexual neediness? How that shows up? I specifically want to ask you from your place of doing sex work and being an erotic masseuse, like how did <laughs> yeah that'll stop you <laughs> change change uh huh how did you experience people who had high levels of sexual neediness versus people who came from it from a place of desire but not neediness? <laughs> I mean neediness you always just want to move away from. Right, it's just never it's appealing to be around. Um, even though you understand, even if you feel compassion for the human that is that is f- feeling like they have a need that needs to be met, I totally understand that. But it's not it doesn't draw you closer. Um, it doesn't make you feel very desired because if right. someone feels sexually needy, it's kind of like anything will do, <laughs> feed my hole. But it doesn't if feel you like you know. <laughs> Sorry. This is degenerating. <laughs> no, it isn't. Um, it doesn't feel like it's you specifically right. that's desirable and attractive and they really want an experience right. with you. It's a thirst and a hunger that must be met. And it should be noted here that our sex sexuality is not a need mm. in the human animal. Mm. We often think of it as a sex drive. It's not a drive. It's not a need. Mm. It's a want. It's a desire. It's a pleasure. And... That's different, actually, than touch, which is a biological need. Wow, this is a whole other subject, right? Yeah. We'll sidebar <laughs> yes, that for a yep. separate conversation. But I think a lot of people come to sexual neediness out of touch starvation. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, again, have a relationship, a culture where you're not touching one another, you're not affectionate, people aren't feeling paid attention to, that's when neediness sets in. When you're feeling alone and touch-starved and hungry for attention, hungry for pleasure, and you're not getting that filled up on a daily basis, sexual neediness comes in. Sexual neediness isn't attractive. No one wants to play with that. (laughs) And again, the downward trend begins. So the other possible trajectory is what we call keeping warm in order to get hot. You have a culture in your relationship where you're affectionate, you're touching one another just in casual ways around the house, you're giving one another compliments, you're paying attention to one another, you're having conversations. You're appreciating one another. You are filling up that well, and so neediness does not set in, and when you initiate sex, you do so out of a place of abundance, like I'm feeling good in my body and in our relationship and I want to go deeper. I want to go to a place of more pleasure with you. Want to come. Mm-hmm. That's a really different attitude than, Oh, I feel dejected and alone and sad and all Can these have sex to distract me. Yeah. From okay. life. Yeah. The other skill I think that is really important for initiating sex is being aware of your partner's feelings and emotions and moods So you're not initiating sex when they're pissed off or stressed out. Like you want to be aware enough of where your partner is at that you can meet them where they're at and initiate from that place of mutual sensitivity. So you don't just feel like kind of you're barging into their emotional space and being like, hey, let's make out on the couch when they are really stressed out about taxes or whatever it is. And this just requires paying attention to your partner and knowing them and knowing their cues and... You can get really good at this. If you pay attention to your partner, you'll start picking up on their emotions even before they're aware of them. 
So you can just be like, hey, what's on your mind? You look distracted. You look bothered. And being able to have those conversations, again, deepens the intimacy, deepens your emotional communication, and sets that foundation that you're aware and paying attention to one another. And so you can initiate sex when your partner's feeling good and relaxed and or you can say, I see that you're feeling really stressed out. What do you need right now? That is a really beautiful question. Well, that brings me to the fourth pillar (laughs) of successful initiation, which is not coming at it with an agenda, but coming at it with generosity. So a lot of people initiate sex like, this is what I want. Are you game? Mm -hmm. Like, I secretly want a blowjob, so I'm going to initiate making out with you in hopes that you give me a (laughs) blowjob or whatever it is. And people sense agendas and if you have agendas around your sex life and we've talked about this in a million different ways like if if all sex eventually gets to intercourse the woman's going to say no if she doesn't feel like being penetrated if you start having sex and it can go 10 different directions depending on what your bodies are up for it's a lot more likely that you can say yes to that scenario because there's not a fixed agenda so a lot of us come to initiating sex like this is what i want please me Like, do me now. (laughs) And what if we came at it instead with, what can I do for you? What is your body craving? I have some energy, some erotic energy, and I am available to you. Yeah. What do you need and want? And that is such an appealing question. Yeah. And so if you notice your wife is stressed out, you can be like, hey, you look really stressed. What does your body need right now? Do you want a foot massage? Do you want a back massage? Can I run your bath? Do you need me to do the dishes? Can I take the kids out? so you can have some time alone. You know, mm. this can look all sorts of ways to... Those are all really different options than getting a blowjob. <laughs> it might eventually lead to more blowjobs. Exactly. Yeah. It's a kind of um, broad strategy. Well, it's coming at it with, as I said, a generosity and an abundance. So you are, like, meeting your partner where they're at and checking in with them about what they want physically instead of basically giving them you know, your to-do list and being like, hey, you want to join me, right? And so you'll get a lot more yeses that way. And as we know, if she says yes to a foot massage, that might lead to being naked in bed together, which might lead to something else. Or it just leads to a foot massage. She feels more relaxed. She, You've just, like, deposited in her love bank. <laughs> she feels more excited about you. She feels like you just did something for her. And it leads to that fertile, rich climate where sex happens. And I think this is the thing. You have to take a long view of your relationship. And we're all going for a relationship where we have more fun together, more pleasure together, where we have a hot erotic life, where we can be honest and open and playful. Like if you think about the qualities of sex life you want over the long term, the question then becomes, what do you do on a daily basis to cultivate and create that? Yes. So how do we refuse? Okay, so those are the four pillars of initiation. So what are the best practices for being on the receiving end of initiation? When your partner asks for sex, asks you what you're in the mood for, and the truth is you're just really not in the mood to go anywhere sexually. How do you refuse rather than reject? And this is a differentiation that I came up with a few years back that I've stuck with because I think it's really important. Rejection is personal. Like, I am rejecting you. I do not want you. 
you're not good enough. It's got all of these implications of this personal no, like I'd be in the mood for cake, but your cake's not good enough. <laughs> or not what I want. Right. When what happens if you're just not in the mood for cake and your cake, if I wanted cake was the cake I want, but I just don't want and, cake right now or and, can't eat cake or I'm too full for cake or I'm eating okay food metaphor um but refusal is not as personal it's kind of taking ownership for the no like i am saying no because it's not right for me in this moment and it has nothing to do with you i like you and it's easier to receive yeah right so if you invite someone to a party and they say no and then you find out they went to a different party you're kind of like hey why didn't you come to my party? But if you find out they stayed home that night and read a book, you can be like, oh, okay, they just weren't That's in the mood for a party. That's what they felt like. So if your partner invites you to the party in their <laughs> pants, <laughs> and you don't feel like going to a party at all, how do you deal with that moment in the most kind and loving way? <sighs> you start off by not saying something mean. Try to notice that this is a moment where they could experience some physical pain because you are about to reject them. So proceed gently and carefully and ideally you can own your how you're feeling that it's not that I don't want you it's just that right now I really just am not in the mood okay so this phrase I'm not in the mood or not tonight honey I have a headache tonight have become the cultural cliches of refusal and rejection and I think that comes from a place where women weren't allowed to say no thank you to sex and be safe Mm. and so they had to make up some like i'm feeling sick i'm like have a headache i'm too tired excuse um so i think it's important to be really honest about your experience and that might be physical you might have a headache yeah you might not be feeling well in your body but you might also just be distracted by something or have other priorities and i think if you have a relationship where you can be honest about those things then it doesn't become this eye rolling, oh, another dummy with a headache and rah, rah, rah. and you, that's like a, a thing of mistrust. If you're lying to one, one mm. another about why you're not having mm. sex, I think just causes more hurt feelings and more distrust. Um, where if you say I have a really bad headache and your partner takes that seriously, you can be a team about finding remedies for those headaches mm. and it doesn't become an excuse for not having sex. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what can I, can I help you with anything? What do you need? Okay, so we started with clear communication about where you're at. And what about your needs and desires? So if you, your partner is initiating sex and you're really not in the mood to like get in bed naked, you could offer an alternative. Like, oh, I'm not really in the mood, but I'd be up for cuddling on the couch and talking about our days. Or how about we go for a walk together, like offering an alternative where you're still connected, you're still paying attention to one another, and hopefully there's still some sort of sensual or erotic connection, even if that's just holding hands on the walk. And so it feels like you're saying yes to something instead of saying like, no, get out of my space. Right. So I'm not quite there yet. Can we sit on the couch and drink a glass of wine together and just talk and maybe in a bit? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, rub my feet and you might speed it up. <laughs> so it's really about owning where you're at, expressing that clearly, making a space for connection in some way that does feel authentic for you. 
and making ideally making sure the other person doesn't feel rejected but feels like they know where you're at and can still connect and that might be you know i don't want to go to bed with the kitchen this messy help me clean it up and we'll have a little bit more time once we get to the bedroom right Right. that's that's your honest sharing your stress sharing your experience um i was thinking about this and i was reminding me of a phrase i've been saying a lot to our toddler which is make it easy for me to say yes Hmm. So when she is, like, whining and wanting something and not really clearly communicating, sometimes I look at her and I say, you know, I hear what you're wanting. Like, make it easy for me to say yes. And when she asks politely and it's, a like, a rational request, then it's easy to give her a yes. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder how we can apply this in our relationships of what would make it easy for you to say yes to sex? And, of course, a big one there is have good sex. Mm. And that's something that, you know, we should just acknowledge here. If the sex you're having is not skilled, not confident, not good touch. Or not what you want. Or not the kind of sex that you want. Like, who's going to say yes to that very frequently? So, kind of core foundation to all of this is that you're actively working on having a sex life that's mutually pleasurable and mutually fulfilling for both of your desires. But what are the other things? What are the surrounding things in your relationship that would make it easier for your partner to say yes to your initiating sex. And for a lot of people, that's like household chores, financial stress, to-do lists, like all of those things in life that kind of clog up the works and feel like they need our attention more than our sexuality does. Uh-huh. If you can optimize being a team in all of those realms and getting that taken care of, or at least creating the illusion that they're being taken <laughs> care of, like we'll get to that this weekend. Mm. You know, Sunday we'll set aside time for all of that. Tonight we have the house to ourselves. Let's take, let's take care of each other. Mm. Or don't you think if we have sex, like we'll feel better for that discussion tomorrow? <laughs> like you can negotiate these things. Sex doesn't have to come last on your to-do list. I think that's mm. really important for people here. It's right. not like everything else has to be taken care of. But you at least need to have this sense that life is in control. Mm. Or else our survival instincts kick in and it's hard to focus on having great sex and enjoying sex and relaxing into sex if other things are pulling our attention away. And I think for a lot of people, wanting to feel like you're a team in your partnership is really important for that. Because if you feel like you're taking on the burden of taking care of the practical details of life and your partner's just like swanning in being like, let's just like go have sex. You're kind of like, (laughs) fuck you. So I think there is that that piece of really wanting to be a team and to feel like supported in life so that you can feel supported in your sex life. Yes. So make it easy to say yes to one another. Mm. And another piece on the receiving end of initiation is to not make assumptions. So just as important as it is to initiate sex without an agenda, it's important to receive your partner's attention and overtures without skipping ahead too far and saying no to something that may or may not happen. So Mm -hmm. if you're not in the mood for like full penetrative sex, you can still receive your partner's hug and kiss and allow the experience to unfold while authentically communicating your boundaries instead of just saying no and locking them out because you're not in the mood for step 26. Like stay, say yes to steps one through eight and then suggest what happens at step nine. See how you feel. Right. And responsive desire is a big thing here. You might not think you're in the mood for sex. That might feel like as far away as Timbuktu. If sex feels really far away, you might not be in the mood. And yet... 
because of this thing called responsive desire. Check out our podcast on it. It's in the sex index at pleasuremechanics.com. Responsive desire is a very real thing, especially for women. And if you say yes to your partner coming up and cuddling you from behind and then kissing your neck and then saying something sweet to you and then touching you just as they do in that way that only they do. If you say yes to all of that, your body might start catching up and be like, Ooh, I'm actually really in the mood. I'm really horny. Do me right now. Like you might shock yourself by what you're in the mood for if you allow it to begin. So part of receiving someone's sexual initiations, even if you're not in the mood, is if you can say yes to something. Mm, it's not going over your boundaries. Yeah. It's not giving you any pain. That's not stressing you out. But even if it's just turning towards them in some way and showing up for them, looking them in the eye and starting there, you're not rejecting them. You're right. saying yes to even the smallest point of connection and then seeing what unfolds. Right. I don't know what I'm in the mood for. I don't know what I'm available for, but I'm happy to start hanging out. Which is a really like crazy thing to say in this culture. To say something like that is a very unusual, but it is being authentic about where you're at. You're not ready for a full-blown sex right now, but you're open to something. And you're saying, can we just see where this goes? And you can say that verbally. Yeah. Or you can say it with body language. Right. And you've actually taught me a lot about this because we were in such different places with physical touch and affection when we first got together. I think that gap has been significantly narrowed. But I used you used to come up to me and just like put your hand on my shoulder. And because of my trauma history, because of my body's history, I would like shrug it off and like feel like I was being attacked. Mm. And that was really hard for you to feel and mm. you felt rejected. And so we worked on this. And now I try to relax into it Mm. and just take that moment, even if I'm stressed out, even if I'm distracted, when you initiate any sort of affection, I relax into the moment, take a breath, meet you with eye contact and see what happens. And if nothing happens, if it doesn't go anywhere, those small micro moments of affection add up over the course of a lifetime to a whole lot of pleasure, a whole lot of trust, a whole lot of emotional connection instead of rejection, right? And so we're taking all of these moments where your partner tries to initiate anything with you, whether it's a kiss, a hug, a touch, a walk, a massage, a conversation, all of those are moments of them being vulnerable and asking you for connection, asking you to do something physical, erotic with them in flesh space, (laughs) and we can reject those moments and push away, or we can accept them without agendas, without goals, meet as two people, and connect. And no matter what each moment unfolds to be, like sometimes those moments will unfold to the best sex of your life, and other times it'll just be a quick hug, and you go on with your life. But those quick hugs are not insignificant. And this level of communication of understanding what you feel and what you are genuinely up for and not overstepping that for a sense of obligation or expectation and then communicating where you're at is a really high level emotional skill. And this is something that we can all work on for our entire life. And you do not have to be this master of this right now you can just keep trying to get better at it and keep trying to improve this skill set of 
being authentic and communicating and turning towards your partner, which is what the Gottmans call this, mm-hmm. um, who are love researchers. Yeah, yeah. But it's, so it's turning towards your partner in every moment and finding a point of authentic connection. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention here that if you are authentically not interested in connecting with your partner, (laughs) if you're authentically pissed off at them or resenting them about something and that's preventing you from wanting to have sex, you got to deal with that. You have to have that conversation. Right? So if it's not just the bills and the dishes and all these things and like you're into your partner and all those things, fine. But if you are not actively wanting sexual, physical, affectionate connection with your partner, that issue has to be dealt with first Mm. and it's only fair to name that to your partner rather than keep it to yourself reject them make them feel hurt make them feel bad they're trying to reconnect with you and you're just slapping them down yeah that's a recipe for disaster if you say to them i'm still pissed off about what happened last weekend and i can't really go there until we deal with this can we sit and talk and try and figure this out yeah because or, it's getting in the way of me wanting to have sex with you. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, like Yeah. Whatever that issue is that's clogging it up. And I'm really more aware than ever because of some conversations I've had recently about how resentment can kill a relationship. Yeah. This silent, bubbling resentment that you don't deal with issues, you don't talk about things, it just piles up. That will destroy your relationship. And so I think the ethical, the fair thing to do is to be honest about it and be like, I'm feeling upset, I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling angry with you. This is why, this is what I need to deal with it before we can move forward in our erotic communication, in our sexual life. Some couples fuck to make up. That's not my style, I don't really understand it, but for some people that is a way of resolving mm. certain levels of conflict. Mm. And I think that can be great and healthy and if that works, maybe even hot and sexy, If you also then have some sort of verbal communication and deal with issues and you're not just kind of thriving in this conflict cycle of fight and fuck and fight and fuck. That Mm. can be hot for a while, but who wants to live that way? And if you do, go for it. If it works for you, fine. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) So we've talked about how to initiate sex from this place of here are my authentic desires. What can I do for you? I'm not needy. I am... sex angel here to invite you to the party in my pants (laughs) and we've talked about how to receive initiation so you are refusing sex if that's what is authentic to you you are turning towards your partner finding some alternative mode of connection and not rejecting them personally and if you put these practices these are all kind of small pieces but if you put them together you will create a culture in your relationship that's going to lead to a much more active frequent hot, fun, healthy sex life, right? Like, these are some of the the steps, the practices we all need to put into place to cultivate healthier sexual relationships in our life. Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's lots lots of pieces. And sometimes you'll mess up. Yeah. And I was just thinking recently of a moment that I messed up. And, you know, then you just have to... You have to go through the process again. What was the process? Well, you were like, we just finished something and you were like, do you want to go get in bed? And I was like, not in the mood for sex in that moment. And I was like, no. 
and I just shut you down. It's like, I know all of this and I messed up and you were hurt. And I, and in my head, I was like, I'm not ready for sex. So I'm not going to go do that. It was like, I forgot everything in one moment <laughs> that I know so deeply. And um, what I meant was I'm not ready for sex right now, okay, but so I, I could, hurt. you got hurt. And I it, expressed my hurt and we talked about what happened. We did. And I remembered, I was like, oh, what I could have said is like, I can go hang out and we'll see what happens, but I'm not right now ready for sex. And I had, I had collapsed. Do you want to go hang out in bed? Meaning, do you want to have sex right now? And when you do that, it's just, it's just, it doesn't. Well, I think what's also important then is you were like, oh, I remember now we still have some time before our daughter comes home. Like, let's go. But, and I was, I was too hurt. Yeah. I was done with the moment. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good example of because that communication cycle broke down because rejection had set in you would I was it. getting over that yeah. and not really in the mood to get naked again right and so the moment passed and I think you know we are parents we're running a business like we don't have ample opportunity to enjoy as much as we used to you know sometimes I think about like the good old days when we were like naked in bed for hours on end and that could be a Friday night that's not our reality anymore with a two-year-old in the house. And so this practice becomes even more important when totally. sexual opportunity is scarcer. Um, so we would love to hear from you. How does initiation and refusal rejection look like in your relationship? Come on over to pleasuremechanics.com slash hello and leave us a voicemail message, which is anonymous and free, or send us an email and let us know what's going on with this subject in your world. We love hearing from you guys. If you want to suggest a topic for a future episode, we always love to hear your ideas. And we love hearing from you about what's going on for you, what you're passionate about, what you're excited about, and what you're struggling with. We are here for you every step of the way. Come on over to pleasuremechanics.com. Go to pleasuremechanics.com free for our free mini courses. And if you want to give us a little gift, you can go to iTunes and leave a review for this podcast. It really helps when you leave a rating or a review. It can be anonymous. Just give us a star rating. And it really helps the show be found by more people. So you're doing your part to make the world a sexier place. <laughs> and we really appreciate it. Mm. I'm Chris. I'm Charlotte. We are the Pleasure Mechanics. Wishing you a lifetime of pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as others have, and I would love to hear from you about how these ideas can influence or change the way you communicate about sex in your relationship. If you love the show and want to support us in continuing to produce free, amazing podcasts for the world every week, please come over to patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics and sign up for a monthly pledge a dollar a month, $5 a month, at $25 a month, we are sending you mail through snail mail anywhere in the world. And we would love your support. It takes many days, many hours a week to produce this show. We do it all independently and we cannot do it without your support. So come on over to patreon.com slash pleasure mechanics and become part of our community there. We would love to have you on board. 
I'm Chris from PleasureMechanics.com. We will be back next week with one final game-changing episode, and then see you back in July for all new episodes of the Speaking of Sex podcast. Cheers.